everyone. Oh, that's loud. Okay. Um, is sound working, Joe? Yes. Okay. Okay, so I want to talk to you about, well, under the title of Even If He Doesn't, and that will kind of come clear as it comes through. I was re remembering when I was watching the news the other day, um, having a conversation with uh, someone that used to be part of the church, and we are talking about something, that, some hot topic. I said, well, surely you've seen this in the news. She said, I don't like the news. How do you not like the news? It's like, oh, the second series of the news isn't as good as the first series. But anyway, I can actually understand a resentment towards the news at the moment because if our news is filled with anything, it's the American election. Who cares? But anyway, someone obviously does because we are constantly confronted with this bloke on our screen all the time. I don't know what's more shocking, the fact that he's even a candidate or his hair. Um, but anyway, this is uh, Trump's bestseller. It's called The Art of Doing a Deal. Um, sorry, The Art of Deal. The Art of the Deal. Deals are very important to us, and that's what he bases his success on. And I imagine that's why it was a number one seller. Everyone likes to, to, to do a deal. Not everyone is good at doing a deal. So we're just going to um, watch a short clip of a, a Smith & Jones sketch talking about counterfeit money, and you'll see the deal that happens. He goes like this, he goes like that, he goes like this. He's just yeah, making sure it's not a false one. Is he? Yeah. But why? Well, because oh. there's a lot of counterfeit money around, there that's why. There is. False money. See, what that bloke yeah. is looking for is... Yeah. Um, I'll show you. Yeah, I I've got one here. You show me look, there. Look. See yeah. what the bloke's right. looking for? He's looking for the yeah. shading and, and the watermarks right. yeah. and, and, and the Queen's hairdo. Is you see? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You see? Now, you see? You take that there. Yeah. Right. You see? Now, you look at that watermark. Yeah. Where's that? <laughs> You've got one. <laughs> what, a watermark? I'm no, 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 no. This what? is false. I don't. But dear, oh dear, this is useless. It's valueless. This. Well, it's worth nothing. Well, nothing except six months in Wormwood Scrubs. That's what that's worth. Bloody hell, well, that's bad luck, isn't it? It is. I can't believe it. I'm sorry about that, mate. Um... <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of crime about, you know. I mean, there is. There's it's... a fuck of a lot of crime about, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> They should stick them in prison, shouldn't they? That's what they should do. Well, That's I don't know. You see, I think prison, you know, very often doesn't help. I think well, it come out worse. You say that, you say that, but there, yeah, look at that Nelson Mandela. Hmm? 20 years he was in prison, now he's the president of his country. Well, yeah, the exception approves the rule, yeah, I suppose, yeah. have done something for him, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you want this back, don't you? Well, no, it's just no, I know, it's I know, nothing. you're a bit it's uneasy just, about it, I know. It's a souvenir, you know, and everything like that, you know. Have you got two tents? I have, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Not all of us are good at making deals, but we're doing them all of the time. And we even do some conscious deals, such as when you're driving, you decide out the generosity of your heart to let someone pull in front of you. But if they don't wave, suddenly you begrudge having given them that chance. Where's my wave? Where's my thank you? Not, not even hazard lights. We made a deal. We thought, we're going to let you in. We're expecting a thank you. No thank you. It shocks us. I'm, I'm shocked when I actually remember to take my shoes from the bottom of the stair to the top of the stairs and Lucy doesn't thank me for it. No gratitude there. 
Again, it's shocking when these things happen. Someone sneezes. Bless you. It's all part of the deal. We've made these deals subconsciously. And we absolutely hate people that cut cues. There's no, there's no written instruction. No one's signed anything. But yet someone that just sneaks down the edge. I imagine Hans and, um, Hans and Martin have experienced the cues going through Sierra Leone immigration. No matter how fast I am off the plane how quickly I'm into that hall, and how close I am to the booth to begin with, I'm always the last person through, and I cannot figure out what happens. <laughs> I feel shocked by it. So, broken deals can be shocking, even if they're not formalised. There's something that unsettles us. We become very uncomfortable. But it's not just between people. We're shocked when we feel that God's broken a deal with us. Have you ever felt shortchanged by God? This means that you had a deal in your mind that he's not come through on. If ever you feel let down, or you find yourself saying, but God, that's not fair, you had a deal in your mind that he's not come through on. Most of our deals with God relate to being protected from pain. That's usually our priority. So that's the main thing I'm going to focus on. Later on, we're going to introduce you to a book that's been uh, specially compiled called Upside Down. And it actually looks at some of the stories that people within our community have gone through where things haven't worked out the way that they should have done in the deal that we made with God. One One quote that came from one of the stories was about someone that was going through um, a painful divorce. And uh, it says, I began to withdraw emotionally and shut off my feelings. I just wanted to be happy. As a Christian, surely I should be immune from such pain. That's often a sentiment for us. I I shouldn't have to feel this pain. This shouldn't be here. When I was in my early 20s, I really felt God tell me to end a relationship that I was in. And I knew God had spoken clearly, so there was nothing I could do about it. I just had to to do what he said. But because I really didn't want to end it, I subconsciously made a deal with God. I said to him, because this is such a big holy sacrifice, I'm expecting that when I I do this, you're going to accelerate my ministry. I'm going to pray for people and, and they're going to get healed. I'm... My shadow's going to pass over people and they're going to drop down and repent. I was expecting all this amazing stuff was going to happen. And the way that I describe it would be like being under this bathtub full of God's anointing and I pull the plug out underneath. I'm expecting to be absolutely drenched in his anointing. What happened? I pulled that plug and I got... Where's the drench? Where's this massive anointing? I expected uh, powerful things to happen, and I expected to be healed from pain. But yet, for months and months and months, the pain continued. My ministry didn't particularly accelerate, and I was miserable. And I had a couple of pictures that came with that at the time. I felt like I was um, a paratrooper. I was on a plane... And the, the green light started flashing. And so that means you have to go up and you get ready to, to jump out. And God at the back of the plane was handing out the packs. 
and he, and he helps me suit up on this pack. And I hurl myself out of the plane. I make my decision. I commit. I end the relationship thinking, it's all right, I've got my pack on. As I'm tumbling towards the earth, I pull my cord and nothing happens. And I realize at that point, it wasn't a parachute. It was a bag of bricks. And I tumble towards the earth thinking, oh my God, who are you? And who am I? And everything was put into turmoil for me. I had made a deal that God hadn't countersigned. And this put me into a double shock. First of all, there was shock of the pain. It just didn't go away. But then the second part of the shock that I was absolutely unprepared for was that I should even experience the pain in the first place. Dealing with the pain was hard enough, but not having expected to be in pain was another thing, just like in that quote from the story. As a Christian, surely I should be immune from such pain. I was doing everything right. What had I done wrong? And I felt kind of all at sea. I just pushed around by every emotion and every thought that came into me because I was in shock. I, don't, I wasn't anchored into anything. And my, my mind was just, um, just a whirlwind of different thoughts and doubts. I'm going to play a movie, for, uh, movie clip for you from a movie called The Edge. Um, in this movie, these three characters have been in a plane crash in the middle of nowhere, and they've just come to the conclusion that no one knows where they are. And you'll see some of the panic that sets in with that, with that initial shock. What uh, we want is wood stacked, quite a bit of it, for a signal fire. So when they come for us, they'll see the smoke. Why would they come for us? Hmm? Well, they know we went to the cabin. When they go to the cabin, they'll see the note. Oh. I'm afraid we're in for a bit of a walk. What does that mean? We're in for a bit of a walk. Hey, what the f*** does that mean, huh? What? I once read an interesting book. It said that uh, most people lost in the wilds, they, they die of shame. What? Yeah. See, they die of shame. What did I do wrong? How could I have gotten myself into this? And so they sit there and they die. Because they didn't do the one thing which would have saved their lives. And what is that, Charles? Thinking. Look, Steve. So when that shock kicks in, we can be plagued with those kind of thoughts. What did I do wrong? How could I have gotten myself into this? And we also have another one that they didn't say there. If I had more faith, this wouldn't have happened. Our mind can be uh, just a, a, a whirlwind of all these thoughts going on. And I think for, for myself in my early 20s, I just needed some kind of warning that, that I shouldn't have been surprised by pain. Well, I'd obviously forgotten these parts of the Bible because Peter warns us, for a little while, 
you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Jesus warns us, in this world you will have trouble. God tried to prepare us. You will suffer. There will be these times of of pain. I was uh, looking at Hebrews, the eleven. And this is always uh, very exciting, looking at Hebrews, the, the heroes of the faith, the amazing things they did. And whenever you read it, it picks up such rhythm and poetry. But I'd never realized that there was actually two lists inside that one big long list. The first list is those who had faith and it worked out. And it talks about those who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Oh, that's exciting. I want to be on that list. That's a great list. That's exciting stuff. But it goes on to say, there were others the other part of the list of those who had faith and it didn't work out. Who were tortured and refused to be released that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings, chains and imprisonment, put to death by the sword. They were sawn in two, killed by the sword. Destitute, persecuted, ill-treated, they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. I still want to be on the first list. That second list is not so exciting. But they were still part of the grander list of people who were led by faith. We all love a parachute in our pack. We're not so keen on bricks We love it when things seem to work out how we intended. But we shouldn't be surprised by pain. We shouldn't be surprised when things don't work out the way that we had in mind. So what's the value of pain? I don't think we're equipped to be able to have an answer. We can speculate. I know a couple of things that that it's done for me. Pain reminds us that We're in a fallen world and looking towards our destination. uh, Revelations 21 talks about, He will wipe away every tear from from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will pass away. Sometimes we can, when things seem to be going really well, it's almost like the idea of heaven. It's not really necessary because we're pretty comfortable here. And it actually dampens our focus on the future. But there's nothing like a little bit of pain to wake you up. And uh, that's one of the things that I find that it does for me. The the second thing is it's, it's humbling. When you can't explain why you're going through what you're going through, it brings you back to the point that I ain't got all the answers here. It's like being a blindfolded passenger. You've got to really trust the driver knows what he's doing. So, how to be successful even in failure? How do we be like the others? 
Tim Keller, a preacher in America, says, a faith that does not need success is a success. When things don't work out, I can still be successful because I can focus on something else. I can be like the others. Here's the prompt to the title. Daniel 3, we look at Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Three of the exiled Jews that were in Babylon, um, they were uh, being told they needed to bow down and worship an idol, and they refused. And they said here, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That is a successful faith. Because they're taking a stand. They're saying, I know the power of my God. I just don't know how he's going to work it out in this situation. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't come through for me in the way that I'd want, even if he doesn't fulfill the deal that I would like in my head, I'm still going to stick to what I know is to be right. Uh, Even if he doesn't. It's like, I liked singing that that song earlier. Um, It said, uh, in darkness I'll dance, in shadows I'll sing. That's a faith that doesn't just survive but it thrives and that's what I think God wants to bring for us today so here's seven quick (coughs) tips on how do I get to a point where I can say but even if he doesn't so there's things don't dwell on these things does this mean I've done something wrong it's not is not necessarily connected. There, there's a value of saying, God, search me and know my ways and let me know if there's anything that I needed to correct. That's a quick prayer and our open heart. But to spend time dwelling on those things, you'd end up dying of shame in the wilderness. Why is this happening? Again, we're not necessarily equipped with an answer. But these are the things that you do want to dwell on. I'd call these... Shock absorbers. We're talking about shock when pain hits us that we weren't expecting. These are things to absorb that. So I showed you the picture of the the contract there that was signed by one party and not the other. God did actually make a deal with a man, with Abraham in Genesis 15. You see that God's made this amazing promise. And he says, well, how how are you going to... So Abram says to him, how are you going to assure me of this promise? And they didn't have kind of paper and pens and contracts back then. So what they used to do in those days, if two kings wanted to make peace with each other, they would take an animal, split it in half, and put it either side of a pathway. And then they would walk together between the animals, because it's actually symbolizing, if I break my promise, let me be like the animal here. Let me be split in two. And that's my bond, that's my promise. What's so amazing about that story is God passes. 
between the, the, the split animals. Abram never passes through it. He never signs the deal. God signs it on both their behalves. And that's the truth, what, what we see when we, we see God. Maybe he didn't sign my deal, but he's signed a greater deal that says he will be split when I fail. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. I failed the contract. He was split for me. He was broken and hung up for me. It's important to remember his nature. Just like Lisa's testimony, we can get crowded and we can miss the, the absolute love that he has for us running through the, the Gospels. Along with that, that verse where, God, uh, where Jesus warns us that in this world we will have trouble, he also says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is a truth that, that God has laid down for us. Also, those times where we're questioning. He says, I, I do nothing wrong. I don't make mistakes. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just like in the, the poem or the, the rap from the, the young people, sticks closer than a brother. When you see the children of Israel being taken out of Egypt, there's a point where God actually gives them a detour to avoid um, an enemy army. And God says, I've avoided taking them that way because they're not ready. They can't handle the battle. I find that so reassuring because what that says to me is, God won't lead me into any battle that I'm not ready for, that he's not equipped me for. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes we feel so overwhelmed with the things that we're facing. But he will never lead us into anything that he hasn't equipped us to come out the other side. Another thing that I would say is we, we have to spill the beans. Letting God know how we are is so important. It's that communication. To, to, to keep asking, why would I go through this, is part of interacting with God. And actually, in the situation that I was going through... Um, I was given a very useful piece of advice. Uh, it was to keep asking God why until you don't need to know the answer anymore. And that's when my faith changed. When I was saying, God, take me out of this situation, but only if it's what you would have for me, because I trust that you wouldn't put me through this if it wasn't for my good. And that's when I heard the, the voice of the others, or the, the, the voice that said, even in failure, there can be success. So keep that interaction. Don't withdraw from God. He's big enough to take some pretty nasty things flung at him. And he actually promotes that because if you look at the Psalms, he fields some pretty tough questions and issues thrown at him. Another tip is to release God from the deal that he never signed. And we'll talk more about that later. Another tip is realizing that he's bigger and better and he knows what he's doing. My favorite television celebrity artist, because there's so many, I love them all, with an afro, um, is Bob Ross. Put your hands up if you know Bob Ross. Oh... I'm going to introduce a lot of you to Bob Ross right now. 
his smooth tones, just reassures you all the time. But it's like an emotional roller coaster watching this guy paint on the Discovery Channel at about 4 p.m. or 4.30. When me and Nathan used to get in from school, we'd watch a little bit of Bob Ross. So, in this particular point, now I, I watched probably about an hour and a half of Bob, Bob Ross to try and find this clip. So, he's painted this amazing dreamy picture just off the top of his head, and I think, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm just about done. That, that's good. I, I see what you've done. It's perfect. Don't tamper with it anymore. And then Bob, Bob does this. Okay, let's go up here. Maybe back in here in our world there lives. Well, so we'll be watching this thing. Bob, wh what are you doing? A happy little evergreen tree. And we just use the corner of the brush, just the corner, as you work he's, down the he's, tree. He's just gone over the knife painting. Bob, what are you doing? Much, much more. Look at there. Isn't that a nice way to make a happy little evergreen? Let's give him a friend. You know me. I think everybody, everybody, should have a friend. <laughs> Friends are so important. Here. All right. Maybe tree food. In our world, maybe there's three trees here. You can put as many or as few as you want. The only thing that we would like to teach you here is how to make a tree. You decide how many trees you have in your world. Maybe we'll have some, maybe there's a little reflection down here. Just put some general shapes. We're not looking for detail. Not looking for detail. Just very basic little shapes. Shoot, who knows? Maybe there's some land there, too. You can just push up with a fan brush and a little bit down for the reflection. And let's take, we'll use old two-inch brush and grab this. Decide where water and land meet and pull straight down once again. Straight down. Son of a gun. Instant reflections. Go across. And that easy, that easy. And see these reflections, you can push them. See how you can push them? Because the canvas is wet, you can do that. You can do anything here. On this canvas, you have total and absolute power, unlimited power here. <laughs> when I go home, the only thing I can do is take a garbage out. But here, I can do anything that I want to do. Let's take a little look. Okay, that was worth it just to induce you to Bob. Okay, so me and Nathan would be watching, and I think most of the time there'd be certain screams along the line, no, 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 Bob, stop it, stop it, you don't know what you're doing, you're going to mess it all up. Oh, oh, I see, oh, yes, oh, no, no, I understand. And as he goes through the, the painting, you're seeing it, it progress to... This amazing masterpiece at the end. The thing is, it's an emotional roller coaster for me as the audience, but for the artist, he knew what he was doing from the beginning. And there was no mistakes in the whole way that he went through. That's something for us to remember when we're dealing with God, to accept that he's bigger and better and he knows what he's doing. It says in Isaiah... Only I can tell you the future before it's ever going to happen. It's like he wrote the whole book, and I'm just reading up to chapter 2, and I'm having a, a, 
an argument with the author about where the twists and turns are going to go. I have no idea. When um, Job's gone through quite a bit of challenge, um, he quite understandably voices himself towards God. And in Job 38, it's just an amazing chapter. And um, that's probably my favorite line out of it. He said, okay, Job, if you're so big, if you, if you know what, what's going on, if you are um, bigger, bigger and better, can you loosen Orion's belt? I just thought it was an amazing line. If you were there in the beginning, what was the earth's foundations? What was it set on? If you were there, how, how was the, the, the depth of the seas plumbed? Or, or where, where were the lines drawn? God was there at the beginning. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's going to be there in the end. And we're, we're passengers with blindfolds on a lot of the time. I need to accept that I was made for praising and not appraising God. I do that quite a lot of the time. I sit him down and tell him what he's done well and not done well. But that's not my job description. Finally, there's an opportunity to realign our target. And this is really the key thing that, that I want us to, to get today. We can spend our whole life chasing after the things that we think we need to collect to protect our life, to insulate us from pain, or to give us the great success. You heard it in Nick's story. I could chase happiness, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. God himself is better than anything life can give us or death can take away from us. I want that understanding of God. I want him to be my focus. Not the absence of pain, but the presence of him in a regular, regular time. I want the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Anthony's going to come at this point to talk us a little bit about this book because this connects to his point. Yeah, it's... uh, You know, this... You know, we can say these things, we can try and sing these songs. What was those words from that song this morning? Let's just pull it up again. I've got it here. Through the tears, though the tears may fall, though my heart may fail, and that thing about in the darkness dancing, that can be really tough when life is pretty crap, to be honest, can't it? And, you know, Jamie's given us some excellent teaching there on pressing into God and not appraising him. Of course, I think what, what may help you, especially if you're going through a difficult time at the moment, is to hear stories and testimonies from others who've gone through some tough times, as we saw on that slide. You can be a person of great faith, and it might not work out the way you want it to. And so, last year, Sarah Garrard as part of her Doulos project, uh, collected up 12 stories from amongst us of people who had gone through a really horrid time. Those 12 stories have been collected together and uh, are today published in this little booklet, Upside Down, Stories of God's Help When Life is Thrown into Turmoil. Uh, the stewards are now going to distribute them so you can each have a copy. You can have one each, although if you know, you're a couple or a family, then you know, one is, is fine if you want to 
release some back into the pool for, for others. Some of the stories are from yesteryear. Some are from more recent times. You might recognize some people, but they, they're written anonymously. Um, these folks all went through really painful period, really tough times. And God met them in it. <clears throat> you know, when Neil and I were teaching last week in, in Zimbabwe, and we were teaching on the subject of faith, we had to press really hard to help folk to see that faith is not about wishing God for a better outcome. Faith was not about, this is the thing, this is the victory I'm going to see. Faith is about hearing God and having that proximity in the midst of, because as we saw from Jamie's table, it didn't always work out from, for those who were heroes of the faith. So at this point, you're all thumbing through the booklet, and I've got to get the attention back, <laughs> back forward again. I knew this would happen. <clears throat> Let me read to you the introduction. I wanted to uh, have Sarah here with me. Uh, Sarah put a lot of effort into this, but she's needed in gate crashes right now. But in the front cover, she writes this. The thought of putting together a booklet of stories where people had faced difficult circumstances and not got the happy ending desired was overwhelming at times. Actually, Sarah won't mind me saying that she did have a wobble. When you're listening to stories of people who've gone through all kinds of traumas and difficulties, it can affect you. You know, and fear rose up within her. And then she had to deal with that and bring that before God. Yet, as I talked to people, I found they had looked to God and they'd not relied on their own ideas of how things should be. I've seen that it's okay to tell God, it's hard, I'd like things to be different. Like the people in these stories, Sarah says, I too began to focus on God and who he is, not on the circumstances. I've come to see that he is able to use all things for good. As we lean on him, it's no longer a matter of survival, but finding new hope and life. Even though nothing changes, everything changes. Wow. So, you know, take, take those booklets away. You can have a look at those and, and keep them. And I really hope they minister to you. And I think you'll see that that fits really rather nicely with what Jamie's been bringing today and the fact that we've got choices to make about the positions we find ourselves in. Okay, so I want to give us an opportunity now to, to respond. And there's four areas that I feel that God's kind of prompting us, and you might be at different points in, these, uh, in this journey. First thing I feel that God wants, wants us to do is to admit that we've had an agenda for him. And as I said at the beginning, a lot of our deals that we make are subconscious and they're actually revealed when we find that it's not gone how we intended it to go. And that's when we begin to feel upset, betrayed, let down. That means that you had a deal in your mind that has not been fulfilled. The next point from that is to make a decision to free God from your agenda for him. Now, even the disciples had an agenda for God, for Jesus. They wanted him to 
be the, the victorious uh, warrior that would free them from the oppressive Roman Empire. And they had to come through a process of saying, actually, what you're doing is better than what I had in my mind, and releasing Jesus from that agenda. We need to do the same thing in our lives. Otherwise, we're not trusting in him. We're trusting in what we think he should be doing. Next thing, we need to set him as the target, not the happy life, not everything lined up, having our ducks in a row, but him, to know him. Finally, it was actually prompted by reading this, this book yesterday, that for some of us, we might need to be healed from sitting on the sideline. There might have been some pain that we've gone through where God's broken the deal that he had, he'd never signed, and we've just sat down in the pain. We've panicked, and we've sat in shame in the wilderness, and it feels like we're, we're just waiting for our time to be up. It's one, one person, one character in the book said, I realize I'm not here to be a spectator. They'd actually taken a back seat. They'd left the pitch and sat in the audience because of the pain that they'd gone through. And God wants to heal us from that because we're not to be spectators. And I believe once we've taken these positions, we will be able to say, but even if, even if he doesn't.